Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. My name is M, and I want to talk about books and cats. book lovers. So I've had a very distracted week. I haven't really done a lot of reading or writing. And it is because I got hooked again on RuPaul's Drag Race, mostly on YouTube videos featuring former Drag Race contestants and just anything to do with drag queens in general. Um, I absolutely love drag. It is such a complex art form, and I really have a lot of respect for it. And yeah, I just got back into the groove and I'm obsessed again. And it's hard to read or write when those things are on. They draw your focus. (laughs) I really just adore everything about it. Um, But seriously, it's distracting. (laughs) I am also in the midst of a lot of life transitions right now. And honestly, I'm feeling kind of run down. I should be reading and writing because I do find those things rejuvenating, but sometimes I don't make good choices. (laughs) Luckily, it's a new day and I can start to turn things back around. Now, I don't have a book to discuss this week, but I would like to share a short story with you. So I wrote this quite a long time ago now. It was either 13 or 15 years, I think. Um, I'm not really sure. It was early in my writer life when I finally decided that I had to take my writing seriously and actually try. Um, (laughs) It was published in a small local uh, literary publication, and it gave me a really good boost as a writer. I was so afraid in the beginning of sharing my work and of receiving criticism And it was really nice to feel like I could produce something of some quality. Of course, as any writer knows, those moments are sporadic and don't come along very often. And since then, there have been a lot of critiques, both constructive and not so, and a lot of opinions. And I have had the good luck to grow a thicker skin through it all and develop confidence in my own writing voice. I think that youth craves fame and recognition, no matter how small. And yes, I still want people to read and enjoy my work, but I'm starting to write for myself now and with confidence. And that feels like success to me, as long as I just keep working. (laughs) So anyway, here is one of my first ever publications. This is a short story called The Nighttime Girl. Enjoy. I stand at my window every night. The deepest darkness has fallen. It is the bewitching time between late night and early morning. The street is empty, but she is there. The nighttime girl. She sits on the stoop across the street. She's there almost every night. An average girl. Nothing special about her. Except she cries. 
The intensity varies from night to night. Sometimes she weeps. Sometimes she screams. Without the pain, her face would be unremarkable. I would not know her. Some nights she throws her hands into the air and howls at the sky. Her voice is low and broken. She wraps her arms around her legs and pulls her body into a tight ball on the second step. I can hear her words. She knows I listen. She sees me through her tears, but we have never spoken. I listen and watch, and she cries. Tonight she screams at the sky, begging for a reason, but no answer comes. The answer never comes. She rages at the moon, repents, and begs forgiveness. The night is her lover, and their relationship is a tumultuous one. She's afraid of being alone and simultaneously afraid of other people. She fears herself most of all. It's late. I wonder where her parents are. Someone needs to help her. She looks at me suddenly. The screaming stops. Our eyes connect and I cannot look away. She folds her hands calmly in her lap. The silence descends heavily around us. She does not speak, but I can hear her questions. Her eyes accuse and never waver. She wants me to help her, but I don't. I want to hug her and tell her it will be all right, but I don't know if it will be. I don't want to lie to this girl. She would know. The desire to run is strong, but I have nowhere to go. I stay in my place at the window. I do nothing. Every night, I do nothing. The girl just looks at me, challenging me to change, wondering why I will not help her. I don't have an answer. Maybe I want her to stay the way she is. Perhaps I am afraid I will have to change if she does. Who am I without the nighttime girl? I don't really want to know. Unable to turn away, we stare at each other for a while longer. I understand. I have seen through her eyes. I know her. She continues to cry, and I marvel that she can have so many tears. I have always shed so very few. The girl looks away and I am free. I turn my back to her. I don't want to see any more. Michael rolls over in bed. The moon is on my face. I know he can see me, but he doesn't speak. He climbs slowly out of bed and runs his hands over his face, fighting back the sleep his body craves. I turn back to the window. The girl has vanished into the darkness. The street is quiet and empty. Michael gently guides me back to bed. Once safely in his arms, sleep comes. But as I begin to drift off, I can hear the crying of the nighttime girl. So that, book lovers, is one of my first ever short stories and one of my first ever publications. It was written in 2009, so it's been a while. <laughs> I still really like it. Um, I hadn't actually looked at it until today, and I'm glad that I shared it with you. <laughs> very nervous about reading things from when I first started writing because I just feel like my writing has changed so much. Um, but yeah, that's The Nighttime Girl. Still love it. And I hope you enjoyed it. 
Now we're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back to talk about some cat stuff. Hey, book lovers. Now, as you might have guessed, I love everything about words and language. I've been learning German for almost a year now, and books from Prismatext are making it even more fun. They have great classic titles that are mostly written in English, but contain words and phrases in the language of your choice, in my case, German. If you don't know a word, you can click on it and see the translation. It's super easy and is really helping me supplement my learning. If you're looking for a fun way to learn a new language, check out Prismatext. The link is in the show description. And if you use code BOOKSANDCATS, you can get 30% off your order. That's books, the letter N, cats. Indulge your love of words and language with Prismatext. Welcome back, book lovers. As promised, this week I want to discuss whether or not cats can say words. So I've always found the way that animals communicate with humans to be just absolutely fascinating. Each of my pets has their own way of communicating, and they're vastly different. My dog uses a lot of eye movements and head movements, as well as certain panting and sighing. Um, he's very dramatic, and I love it. <laughs> he's so my dog. <laughs> my cats have various noises and actions that they use to get what they want, especially my cat Zeus. Zeus seems to have learned to say hello, which he's done forever, but now he has also learned out because he has this newfound love of going outside and he is starting to get quite demanding about it. So this got me wondering if cats could actually learn human words and use them to communicate. Anecdotally, it would seem that the answer is yes. But immediately, Google dashed my dreams of having conversations with my cats, Sabrina style. This is the first thing that popped up. Cats don't have the same vocal cords or mouth shape as us, meaning they simply cannot speak like humans. So while these cats sound like they're talking to us, it's just our optimism turning these miscellaneous sounds into words that sound familiar to us. So, kind of a bummer, but I didn't actually think that they could speak English. Although I'm not so sure about Zeus. <laughs> um, I did, however, find an article about a woman named Suzanne Schatz who has released The Secret Language of Cats, a guide to the way cats communicate, which builds on eight years of research into cat-human communication. And this is a quote from that article. Cats can imitate nuances in their owners' voices, such as melody patterns, in order to be able to communicate better. Which I've definitely seen Zeus do. He can match pitch sometimes, which is impressive. I guess I'll just take what I can get. They all communicate very clearly, so there's no question what they're thinking. Anyway, now it's time for the quote of the week. This week, I chose quotes about writing. Sometimes it's all I can think about, and it's been one of those weeks. Well, writing and drag queens. <laughs> anyway, I'm so bad at choosing just one of anything, so again, there are multiple quotes this week. Three, to be exact. The first is from Louis L'Amour. Start writing, no matter what. The water does not flow until the faucet is turned on. I think that's really great advice for writing. I think um, part of the problem is usually like thinking about it and stopping yourself. 
And if you can just get going, I mean, that's just how you begin. (laughs) It's the same with running or with anything else that you just have to get your foot out the door and get going. Just put those words down and start writing. Okay. Quote number two is from Ray Bradbury, one of my favorites. And what you ask does writing teach us? First and foremost, it reminds us that we are alive and that it is a gift and a privilege, not a right. I just love that. Writing really does make me feel alive. Like I said, I find it very therapeutic and soothing. (laughs) And finally, the last quote is from F. Scott Fitzgerald. All good writing is swimming underwater and holding your breath. And I just really love the imagery that that conveys. As well as if you put it in reference to uh, to the end of The Great Gatsby, you know. Anyway, that is it for this episode of M's Books and Cats podcast. Please review, like, follow, all that good stuff, and tell your friends. You can stick around after the music for a new chapter of my weekly writing project, Heart of the Storm. I actually have one this week. I did get that done. <laughs> and check out booksandcatspod.com for everything books and cats. Please let me know what books you think I should read. I am always looking for great new reads. And thank you so much for listening. Until next time, keep reading. Thanks for sticking around, book lovers. Now here's chapter 24 of Heart of the Storm. Kevo wanted to run screaming out into the forest in search of Harper. His whole life had been about keeping her safe. It was his only purpose, and he had failed. They had scoured the nearby trees and surrounding forest, but Harper had vanished. And with her, hope had fled too. The forest was heavy with dread now that word of Harper's disappearance had spread. Kevo didn't know what this meant, but he knew it was going to be bad. As a child, Kiki had raised him with the knowledge of his importance, the protector of the one who would bring about a new age in the magical realm. Harper had been kept ignorant of her importance, but Kevo had been schooled in it. Even so, he was not entirely sure what Harper's purpose was. He had supposed that she knew what was required of her, but it had become clear when they met that she had no idea who she actually was. That's when he began training her. He had hoped she would be able to protect herself if her magic failed her. It had been a silly idea, rendered almost useless by her contact with the weird, malevolent trees of this forest. Their eerie glow and accompanying bad vibes had made him steer clear. Harper, of course, dove right in. Was that what he was dealing with now? Had Harper decided on a new course of action and abandoned him? After years of friendship, Kevo hoped she would call on him in her time of need, but Harper was stubborn sometimes. She always tried to fix things on her own, even when she really needed help. Kevo feared it was one of those times again. She had disappeared on him before, and one time he had shown up just in time, when Harper ventured into a rough part of the valley and was cornered by a hulking man with a knife. Kevo had a long scar on the soft flesh of his left inner arm, but he had saved her, just as he had been trained. 
Lizalt feared she had been taken. Kevo doubted it. The forest was heavily protected with magic, as well as silent, nearly invisible guards stationed amongst the treetops. The trees provided their own security, and Kevo doubted anyone could have gotten through to the city unseen. Harper had left on her own. Without him. Again. His concern and fear was slowly being overtaken by anger. He had never wanted this task. Harper didn't care what he did for her. She had always just assumed he would be there. She probably expected him to chase her again. To find her. Again. Kevo brought his fist down onto his thigh, punching his exhausted muscles over and over as the rage flowed through him. His vision went black and somewhere distantly, he could hear someone sobbing. Hey. Kevo heard Lazalt's voice, then felt a stinging slap on his cheek. His head snapped around with the force, and his sight returned. Lazalt was shaking him. Hey, man, snap out of it. Kevo held up a hand to stop him, and Lazalt stepped back slowly. His sparkling green eyes watched Kevo with a mixture of fear and curiosity. You okay, man? Kevo groaned and put his head in his hands. Lazalt knelt beside him. We'll find her. Kevo drew in a deep breath, but his shoulders shook as he let it out. He pulled himself upright and tried to breathe normally. She doesn't want to be found. Lazalt frowned. Kevo felt a sinking deep in his belly. He had failed. Harper had escaped. He was sinking into darkness when Lazalt snapped his fingers in front of his face. The sharp, unexpected sound brought him back, and the face of his friend came into focus. We will find her. Lazalt spoke in a quiet, firm tone that did not leave room for Kevo to object. He nodded slowly. Where do we start? Francie's head ached with a pulsing pain that caused a shimmer around her vision. She had come two moments before, and opening her eyes had sent a fresh flash of pain that made her wish she could slip back into unconsciousness. Her sight was still foggy. Everything was varying shades of white, and the brightness was blinding. She groaned and tried to rub her forehead. That was when she realized her arms were restrained at her sides. Panic erupted in her and she tried to move her body. Her legs were strapped down, and her head was held in place, facing up. She thrashed violently, but there was very little room to move, and the restraints cut into her skin painfully. Francie held still and listened. She was certain she had heard a small sound. The silence pulsed around her. Her immobility made her want to rage. She wanted to scream. But then there was another sound, soft and frightened and familiar. Harper? Francie spoke so softly she could barely hear her own words. She was certain she would not receive a response. A few heavy, silent moments passed. Then the slightest sound. One word. Sister. Francie felt tears burning in the corners of her eyes. They dripped down her cheeks and down her neck. Her heart swelled painfully. It was a new feeling, a connection she didn't really understand. It's okay, Harper, she whispered. It's going to be okay. The answering giggle was startling and loud, and it made Francie's blood run cold. The skittering sound that followed was even worse. 
Francie knew that sound. It had followed her for miles through the fog. Moss, she breathed quietly. The skittering stopped. The giggling resumed. Francie was certain she would go mad. The sound was working its way into her brain and burrowing there. The pain was incredible. Not anymore. The giggling stopped abruptly, and the voice was high-pitched and childlike. Because of you, sister. The word was drawn out, and the voice was poisonous. Francie screamed at the soft, round face that popped into view mere inches from her own. The skin was a pale green, and their features lacked clear definition. The eyes were bright yellow, and they narrowed as they confronted Francie. The creature giggled, and the sound made Francie's skin crawl. It hovered over her now. Its thin limbs hung limply at its sides, and narrow, iridescent wings held the creature aloft. They grinned, and their teeth were the stuff of nightmares. Francie believed herself to be practically fearless, but growing up with Mina paled in comparison to the terror the creature's smile brought to her now. Allow me to introduce myself. Oh, hello. The thing with the syrupy sweet voice was looking away from Francie now. Harper was awake. Good. This way I won't have to repeat myself. There was a tumultuous sound of frantic skittering across the slick floor. Claws scrabbled at the legs of the table that held Francie, and for a moment the girl was certain she was about to tip over and smash her face on the floor. She tried to move her arms, but they remained useless. The creature noticed her attempt and sneered at her. The teeth were once again revealed, and Francie felt a warmth between her legs. The burning shame that followed made the creature laugh. It swooped around the room before returning to its place above them. As I was saying, sister... The thing drew out the word and wrinkled their nose in disgust. I am Re. I am one. A child of death. Like you both. Re grinned and flashed those terrible teeth. That's right. Take it in slow, girls. You've got plenty of time. Well, actually, time's almost up. But it won't affect either of you. Your journey ends here, I'm afraid. Re snickered. Francie could feel the red-hot rage boiling inside her. The small creature flitted out of view. The giggling commenced and the skittering sound returned. The sounds were moving away from them. A door slammed and silence filled the room. A few moments clicked by and Francie realized she could hear a soft grinding sound coming from Harper's direction. Harper? Hmm? The grinding sound grew louder and more brisk, then a pop and a clang of metal. Suddenly Harper was standing beside her. How'd you do that? Harper raised an eyebrow. Magic? What else? Francie laughed a little. How could I forget? She tried to keep her voice light, but fear sat leaden in her belly. Her head was foggy, and her memories unclear and confusing. Harper frowned and placed her hands on the bindings holding Francie down. Keep your rage. Let it burn. Brighter. Hotter. Francie! Harper snapped her fingers in Francie's face. Focus. You can do this. 
You're the strongest of us all. Francie knew she was lying. It made her mad, because she wanted to be the strongest, and it was embarrassing that Harper knew that. The girl seemed to know everything and nothing at the same time, but her powers were undeniable. Francie was hot. Her body glowed red and burned painfully. The metal bindings melted away. The table pooled, and Francie fell to the floor, free, and with only a little residual shame left over. She rubbed the painful burned patches on her arms and avoided looking at Harper. She didn't look up until she heard the girl moving toward the door. It's locked, she said softly. Her shoulders were stooped, and heavy, dark circles marred the pale, purplish skin under her eyes. She looked utterly exhausted, but she smiled a little and gestured to the door. I'm pretty worn out, sis. Want to take this one? Francie nodded. Her strength returned and her mind cleared. She remembered who she was and the rage returned again. Her hands flamed, and she melted the door without an issue. As she stepped through the open doorway, a small puff of smoke escaped her nose, and she giggled and then clapped a hand over her mouth. Harper looked alarmed. Francie understood her horrified expression. She sounded just like Ree. I'm fine, Francie said, but even she wasn't convinced. Her voice was shaky and uncertain. Harper swallowed and nodded slowly. They moved down a long, brightly lit hallway. The walls were white and smelled freshly painted. Nothing adorned the walls, and they found no other doors. They came to the end of the hallway. Francie made a small, involuntary sound of frustration and leaned her forehead against the plain white wall that faced them. Harper turned and looked back to the place where they had entered the hallway. A shadow passed by the opening Francie had made. Then the skittering began. And the giggling. And that is the end of Chapter 24, Book Lovers. Thank you so much for sticking around for my new chapter of Heart of the Storm. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you will keep listening next week. Don't forget that you can also get Storytime with M on Sundays, where I am sharing my book Feelers, a chapter or two sometimes, a week. This week is a double chapter week. And uh, until next time, keep reading. <laughs>